welcome back to another episode of the Touch Points podcast. I sincerely hope that this episode will encourage and challenge you in your faith as you walk with God. Um, in today's podcast, we'll be focusing on one of those powerful forces in existence that's often overlooked, um, that influences every single aspect of our daily lives on an unknowable scale. And that is the power of words. Um, Our lives are immersed in communication through words. Research shows that on average, uh, people speak upwards of 7,000 words a day. Uh, And you can't forget also the the words that we use in text and email throughout the day as well. Uh, Words are used in every single facet and area of our lives uh, to to communicate ideas, express feelings, give direction, correct wrong courses of action, etc., uh, the, the impact of a person's words are incalculable. Uh, the amount of people we've talked to, the amount of things we've said in different situations, different circumstances, that can't be calculated. It also can't be calculated the way people's words have impacted or imprinted uh, their ideas on us. Think of all the things that words can do. Words have started wars and ended them. Words have saved lives and brought lives to an end. Words have built people up higher than they could ever thought. And words have also torn people down to their lowest point. Words are powerful. Uh, James best describes the great power and influence of words in James chapter 3, verse 3 through 10. And he says this, Now if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, We direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how a great forest is set aflame by such a small fire, And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and bird and of reptiles and of creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the image of God. From the same mouth, both blessing and cursing, my brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Of course, uh, James is using the tongue there to describe the great power and influence of words. Our words have caused more harm than we would like to know. Or they can build other people up in wonderful ways. Think about a time when your words had a big impact on someone, either for good or bad. A time when something that came from your mouth that reflected your thoughts, your attitude, your character was spoken out and received by another person. It had an effect on them. Uh, Perhaps you can think of a time when someone's word had a significant influence on you. 
maybe a word of encouragement that sparked a new sense of direction or a new lifestyle or purpose, or maybe a harsh word of bitterness that fractured a relationship you had, or a condescending word from someone that brought you to a place of severe discouragement. We've all had situations and experiences with words that have drastically changed us, that have altered our lives in certain ways. As Christians living in a fallen world, we most likely have seen the best and the worst of what words can do. Scripture gives ample amounts of attention to the type of words God commands his people to speak. And warnings also about the speech that we as his people must avoid. God does sincerely care about the words we say and how we say them because our words reflect him because we are his ambassadors here on earth. So how we speak matters. So to answer the question and to see through it how Christians are to speak, how does God want Christians to represent him through the words that we say and the character and quality of our speech? How can our words be in alignment with the character of God and accomplish his will for us? There are a lot of passages we can go to this, uh, but one that has recently uh, been on my mind and has been confronting me on this pressing and very relevant subject is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 through 32. So to to understand this passage better, we need to first get a, a basic grasp of the context In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 16, Paul describes our new position in the body of Christ. He talks about how we belong to him and have been placed into a body that is growing up in maturity to reflect the head of that body, which is Christ. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, 17 through 24, Paul reflects on the new person God has formed that is in opposition to our old nature, our old self. Our, our growth is to be, to be like Christ requires a new person created in the likeness of God. But what does this new person look like? Well, Paul then transitions to that focus in Ephesians 4, 25 through 32, in which he details practices of the new self. Paul describes what it's like to be putting on the new self in Christ and growing to look like him in specific areas that he probably observed either in the Ephesian church or heard from reports. And what makes the tone and focus of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 through 32 so special is that there are 11, yes, 11 imperatives or commands in these few verses. So Paul uses these 11 imperatives to emphasize the importance and the necessity of the new self looking in these certain ways. And of these um, 11 imperatives, uh, they condense down into seven characteristics of the new self. And of these seven characteristics, two of them are directly related to our words. And so these imperatives or these characteristics will be our focus as we seek to learn how we ought to speak as Christians. And the first characteristic of the new self related to speech is the first one Paul mentions in verse 25, in which he says, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth to one another, each one of you, with his neighbor. 
for we are members of one another. So let's dissect this verse. Therefore, bridges between the last focus of Paul, which is the new man, and verse 25 through 32, which is a conclusion or summary of what the new man looks like. So Paul moves from describing what the importance of the new man is for our position in Christ and living like a new man to what specifically are the characteristics and qualities of this new man that he wants the Ephesian church to look like. So Paul tells the Ephesians to lay aside falsehood. This describes the putting off or removal of lies, which a lie is the perversion of the truth from our speech. Lying has always been an area of avoidance for God's people. God gave the 10th commandment in Exodus chapter 20, warning against his people bearing false witness against their neighbors. A false witness is essentially a lie. Lying perverts the very nature of who God is. God is an absolute, truthful being. He is the God of absolute truth, true in all of his ways, honest in all he does, faithful to himself. God is the God of truth. And lies pervert and misrepresent the very core nature of who God is. So Christian speech should put off falsehood of every type, size, and degree. And instead of speaking that which is untrue, Paul commands Christians to speak truth. This section of the verse is a quotation uh, from Zacharias 8, 16. And so what does it mean to speak truth? Uh, Speaking truth refers to the action of saying words which are honest, reflect reality, and are dependable by nature. The way a Christian speaks should not be characterized by deception or misrepresentation. But Christians are to be known for speaking truth, even when costly. And falsehood should be evaded or avoided or put off, even when there is something to gain or something bad to be avoided. So Christians are to speak what is true, that which is dependable, that which is reliable, that which represents reality as it is, and throwing off falsehood even when the falsehood could bring benefit. The truth must be chosen and the truth must be spoken if we are to be followers of Christ and live in light of the new man that God has made. Paul puts this command in an interesting context of community. He said we are to speak truth with our neighbor, for we are members of one another. This is obviously speaking in the context of the church. Speaking truth and laying aside falsehood not only has its basis in the character of God, but also in who we're speaking to, brothers and sisters in Christ. Our united identity in Christ should move us to speak properly to one another. And since we're united in truth, we should speak the truth to one another. Uh, Moving on to the other imperative found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 through 32, that relates to our words, we turn to verse 29 of chapter 4 which says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word that, as, that is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who are near. Uh, the imperative in this verse is the word proceed, which means to produce or give out or to come from. 
And Paul commands the Ephesians to avoid speaking unwholesome words or putting out or giving out unwholesome words. Uh, The question should be asked, what is an unwholesome word? Well, the word unwholesome in the Greek means something that is rotten, putrid, uh, something that is unpleasant. A descriptive example of this would be rotten fruit or spoiled meat. Uh, something so repulsive that it should be discarded, something that its condition, its nature is putrid or repulsive or should be avoided. Um, Undoubtedly, Paul has in mind words spoiled with sinful motives and objectives. These words have a quality about them that makes them unpleasant to receive. The world around us speaks unwholesomely. Sin has permeated the world, the words spoken around us. Mocking, coarse joking, accusations, degrading comments, ungodly opinions, backbiting, unrighteous judgment, condemnation, put-downs. I mean, the list could continue on uh, with the unwholesome habits of speech the world has accepted and embraced. Christians have accepted many of these unwholesome speech habits as either normal or acceptable. Our speech filter as Christians should be the finest around to where only the the most wholesome and delighting words are getting through and being spoken to people. But however, our complacency and often write out acceptance of culture and the sin that influences it and directs it has formed holes in our word filter, letting unfitting words be spoken far too regularly. Our speech filter, our standard for what is wholesome speech has been corrupted to a severe degree. Paul calls Christians to a higher standard of speech, forsaking that which is unwholesome and embracing that which is good for edification. That is good for building up. This type of speech is encouraging, truth-based, rooted in love, honest, seeks the best for others, and longs for God's will to be done. Christians need to be characterized by edifying speech. Christ is our example of this in the way that he spoke. He was truthful, loving, firm when necessary, sought the Father's will, focused on others, sought to build up rather than tear down, gracious, unrelenting in the truth, and many more descriptions could be added to it. Another aspect of Christian speech highlighted in this verse is that edifying speech takes shape to suitably address the needs of others. Speech that builds up comes from people not centered on themselves, but those who are conscientious of the circumstances of those around them. The words that proceed from the mouth of Christians should build up others according to the needs they currently have. Edifying speech is aware of what others are, others are going through and mindful to biblically respond to anything a neighbor is facing. To see what this looks like, we only need to look to Christ. In his earthly ministry, Jesus exemplified the edifying speech according to the needs of others around him. His words brought, brought correction to the lost, encouragement to the downtrodden, hope to the hopeless, grace to the undeserving, challenge to the stubborn, and strength to the weak. As Christians, we should speak like Jesus spoke. Are your words wholesome, edifying, building up, 
or are they rotten because of the sin that hides behind them? We need to speak like Jesus. I hope this has challenged the words you speak and given direction for what our words should look like as, as followers of Jesus. See you next time on Touch Points from East Point Bible Church.